Welcome to the Racisms Podcast. We're your hosts, Jazlyn and Lisa. We decided that this world could use more cross-cultural conversations that seek healing over division, understanding over ignorance, and a better world overall. Welcome back to the Racisms Podcast, where we have cross-cultural conversations to make this world a better place. I'm Jaslyn, co-host of the podcast with Lisa. Hello. Thank you so much to all of our supporters on our Buy Me A Coffee page. We have come to the end of our season three. And by the time this episode aired, uh, we may have a couple more supporters, but as of now, we did not reach our goal of $1,000 raised on Buy Me A Coffee in order to go for a season four. So for now, the future of this podcast is uncertain, but we do plan on doing something special to acknowledge our supporters. So stay tuned. Yes, thanks for uh, the people who support us already. We really appreciate you uh, showing us that you cared and that you listened, that you liked us. Uh, But unfortunately, we might not be able to continue on to a season four. Uh, that said, I think this is a great episode for us to kind of reflect upon season three. Yes. So as is our tradition of the last couple of seasons, we have invited our producer to discuss the season as a whole. And this time we're going to try something a bit different by discussing all of our second thoughts about the topics of this season, as opposed to just getting a response from Kyle alone. So welcome back, Kyle. Thank you very much. As always, it's fun to be back. Yes, great to have you. So, our first episode of season three addressed the anti-Asian hate, the Asian hate crimes that occurred, I guess, last year and into the beginning of this year. Uh, Any second thoughts from you guys on that topic or the episode? Still a sad topic. I'm sure it'll come back around again, as with all news cycles. But it's, things have died down, uh, settled down. It's not in the news anymore, so it's not really top of mind for me. Kyle? I think the main conclusion I drew from that episode is that the violence of white supremacy really impacts everybody. And it's just it just sucks every time you see it, you know? And I think it's just uh, a reminder that this system has some very deep, inherent things wrong with it. And we're all in the same boat. Okay, there's no other thoughts on that episode. We can move on to the second episode, which was on uh, the most segregated hour, which Martin Luther King coined as 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. And we talked about uh, us growing up in uh, ethnicity or, you know, background related or specific churches and our thoughts on that. Did anybody have any second thoughts or comments on that episode? I think I kind of had more questions for y'all about this one a little bit. Um, But I guess first I'll just share that I I grew up Catholic and my my upbringing from a religious standpoint, it was fairly diverse, um, but it wasn't 
the, I mean, the way the Catholic church itself is run, isn't necessarily as embracing of cultural variants, I'll say. So like, at least the church I went to was diverse, but it wasn't diverse enough to like really change up how things, how things rolled, so to speak. And it wasn't necessarily a culturally enriching experience, although very many folks brought their cultural aspects to it. Um, so it, 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 it what the building wasn't segregated, um, as much as like what we were, what y'all were talking about. And as much as that is true elsewhere in the country. Um, but the, the, the questions that I had for y'all about that one was, was I really is just kind of a little bit deeper of an explore exploration. Cause I, I mean, we typically think of segregation as a bad thing, but it sounded like, you know, having religious experiences be comfortable meaning you know with people with your own people with with your own people like so for you know for for you jasmine to, to worship with black people is more comfortable for you and for you lisa to worship with with um, chinese or asian people is more comfortable for you um it seems like that's not necessarily bad in that context um and i guess i just kind of was curious if you had more thoughts on on that the notion of segregation in that way being okay um i think it's fine <laughs> yeah i mean that uh, that was the whole reason i wanted to do that episode um segregation in the u.s legal you know de facto de jure segregation was not only meant to separate people but it was meant to create um advantages for white people and disadvantages for other people um you know discrimination against other people non-white people so in that sense it's bad but to be with people you have in you know things in common we do it all the time <laughs> we you know we shop at certain places we join certain organizations we go to certain schools it's not a bad thing to want to be comfortable in whatever space you're in and to choose a church or a place of worship where you feel comfortable i think is perfectly fine yeah i'll have to agree with that uh separation by choice by uh, wanting to feel comfortable or safe for like you know let's just call it an hour on Sundays is not a bad thing or if you I think I maybe I saw it on Jaslyn's social media about uh, like people should uh, people who've been who are on the outs you know want to find a place that they're comfortable for an hour on Sunday morning is is a good thing and then people who typically are comfortable the rest of the time should seek out a place to feel uncomfortable uh, if they want to worship so I thought that was a very powerful statement yeah and I think the problem comes with discrimination yeah if you know if I'm at a black church and a white person comes in we shouldn't be like you can't come in here you're white that's wrong mm -hmm. but we sh you know we shouldn't you know, change ourselves to 
you know, make them feel better. That's also wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the other problem I had with um, white, you know, quote unquote, the white church is the messaging. Mm-hmm. If you look at the behavior of and the sentiments, the politics, whatever, of evangelicals, a.k.a. white Protestant Christians, quote unquote, I have to question what they're learning in their church. And, you know, if the if that church produces these kinds of people and thoughts, then I don't want to be at that church for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the messaging is also important to me. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. And I think I think and y'all y'all touched on that in in the episode itself um in terms of you know, self-segregation or just, you know, self self self-grouping. We'll call it grouping. Self-grouping is part of who we are. We're tribal as people, you know what I mean? We we're always we always find groups for us to interact with socially and culturally and for other reasons. So, yeah, I agree with you that that is natural. And that's a good thing to do and 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 that the problem comes in the, in the power dynamic and the and the the angle of oppression and when it's forced on folks for reasons of oppression i i agree with you all that that's that's the the real problem not separation isn't necessarily the problem it's it's the it's the power dynamic it's the oppression aspect mm-hmm. of it and yeah i also agree with you jaslyn about the messaging that folks are getting in the church. I mean, I, I really think it's interesting how churches were the epicenter and mosques were the epicenter of a lot of the movements of, you know, part of they're, they're the epicenter of civil rights activities. And you don't get the sense that that's the same today. And I know there's f- plenty of churches and mosques who are, who are active in, in pushing the envelope for social justice and activist type causes. But you don't get the sense that they're the same epicenter of activities in those ways as they as they were then. Unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. I had a thought um, on this episode, or maybe it, it might have been the Christmas episode where I talked about how um, in my church, or yeah, yeah, all the churches that I've ever been a part of, we have a watch night service on New Year's Eve. And we, you know, basically a service that starts really late on New Year's Eve and you have a service and you pray into the new year, uh, New Year's Day. And I thought it was like, I always thought that was like, you know, the church version of, you know, a New Year's Eve party. Like, <laughs> Don't be out there like the world. <laughs> um, be with us. You know. Pray your way into the new year. And I mean, I think that is part of it, but I listened to a podcast, I think it was around Juneteenth, and they talked about how the origins of watch night service was because um, people were staying up. Uh, President Lincoln was supposed to sign the Emancipation Proclamation, and it was supposed to be either signed on January 1st or go into effect January 1st, and they were watch- they were staying up to see if, you know, freedom was really going to come. So mm. I thought that was really interesting. I encourage, I think it was a Code Switch episode. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. The origins of Watch Night Service. Did anybody know that except for me? Yeah, no, I hadn't <laughs> heard of that. That's interesting. I'll have to look into that. Mm-hmm. 
I used to listen to Code Switch religiously, and I have fallen off since I don't drive as much anymore. So, if you if you uh, if you don't mind sending that to me, I'd love to listen to that one. Yeah, I'll uh, put it in the show notes too. Yeah, great. Lisa, did you have watch night service? Uh, they did. We up? did Christmas Eve ones, but not New Year's Eve ones. See, I think like I'd be curious to know if there are any non-black churches that do watch night mm-hmm. services. Well, if any of our listeners do that, please let us know. Yeah. All right. So, episode three was about representation on the TV. We had a special guest, Fawaz, mm-hmm. came to talk to us about his, you know, the people he identified with on the TV, both like him and not like him, and had a good conversation about that. Do either of you have any second thoughts on that episode? Yes, I first wanted to shout out Lisa Ling, who was one of my role models growing up. I uh, forgot that she was pretty popular. Um, of a journalist and was on a lot of shows, so I just want to shout her out. Uh, I also wanted to talk about, um, Fawaz left an interesting comment on our script, and we didn't get to it during the episode, but um, he wanted to ask us, like, what topics do you wish the media addressed as a child? Um, and I, one of the things I thought about was, like, how to have tough conversations um, about, you know, prejudices, racism, um, and wondering, like, can TV, like, do, even do it justice since it is such a complex topic? Uh, and I think around, like, May or June of 2020, uh, CNN and Sesame Street put out this joint uh, racism town hall presentation, and, you know, I got my kids to sit down to, for the start of it, but they did not watch the whole thing. But I thought it did a really good job with talking about um, the protests, what was going on, the Black Lives Matter. Um, so I guess it can be done correctly, but I don't know if you guys, if either of you watched it or, you know, had any thoughts about how, you know, kids shows can address these tough topics and if they can do it justice. Um, I don't know. I think I remember on Nickelodeon, my channel mm-hmm. growing up. Yep. They used to have Linda, Linda Ellerby, I think her name was. And she did like news. She was like the news lady. And, uh, you know, she addressed topics of the day. And um, I think I was watching the documentary on Nickelodeon. They, they had an episode with Magic Johnson um, talking about his uh, AIDS diagnosis and mm. kids who also have AIDS which is a really tough topic. Mm. And so I think they were, you know, they were doing, trying to do that in the 90s. Mm-hmm. I don't remember watching it and or like being affected by it, but maybe it helped somebody. How about you, Kyle? Do you watch a lot of TV with your kid, with your child? Um, No, I don't really i have like i have one tv in the house it's in the basement and it's almost never on so that's um, good <laughs> in itself i mean it's in, good in yeah it's cool i mean he i know he, he he's around tv at his mom's and and at my mom's and like he, so he's around like 
shows and stuff and because I, I don't want them to be like weird and not know any culture either because like like someone on this i mean yeah like me you know and clearly i'm <laughs> making that difficult for my man but uh um like we he got he really got into like pokemon and avatar the last airbender and a couple of shows like that so he he has uh, and there was a there was a show um camp cretaceous which was a modeled off of jurassic park but it was animated and it was about kids that got to go to Jurassic World and do stuff and th- th- one of the main characters was a black boy which I thought was cool so I really wanted him to watch that and he 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 saw that one all the way through um so yeah I don't know I mean he he he's <laughs> so he, I know he's he's been a fan of uh of of Steve Urkel and uh Family Matters and some some shows like that um but I I'm not a big TV watcher so that's not necessarily the thing that that I'm curating or cultivating for him, but yeah. Do you think TV should address tough topics for children? I think it should. I I, I actually over the summer I was I I heard about how HBO had had like a late night uh not late night but like a uh a, a, a news Sesame Street thing and all that like that was that seemed pretty dope I. Avery didn't watch that. I didn't even watch it myself out of curiosity. But I do think shows should should address issues at an age appropriate way. But really, a, a lot of what that could look like is is kind of like what the episode was about, which is just representation. You know, mm-hmm. um, making sure that kids see a balance of male female roles and, and like heroes heroines. Um, one thing I loved about Avatar: The Last Airbender was was Toth was one of the was a the, the master earthbender and she was blind and, and a girl. And so, you know, it spoke to, it spoke to ability. It spoke to, you know, gender, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, I think Avatar, the last airbender speaks to issues, but it doesn't, it's not like it's like boringly, like this is about, and the fact that the fire nation is basically embodies imperialism you know, and like technological, you know, in- industrialization and stuff like that. Um, that's an undertone of the fi- of the show, but it's it's not like a lecture. It's just mm-hmm. there, and it and it and it gets you thinking. So it's it's um, you know, I think that if we really let ourselves be creative and be free, and I think that was a big point of the episode. Again, you and for Fla- you all and for Laz were basically saying, give folks the freedom to create what they want to create, and when we when we really let folks creativity flow and fly we'll find amazing ways to speak to the social truths at various age levels and it'll 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 be organic it'll be very um honest but also palatable and not not overbearing or anything like that and i think avatar is a good example of that so my second thoughts um for that episode were uh lisa's desire to see her specific experience a i guess are you first or second? I, I get the generations mixed up. Anyway, a child of an immigrant growing up, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I was wondering if Lisa, you said you never watched Gilmore Girls, but there was a character called Lane Kim. She was a daughter of a Korean immigrant mother. Her mother was super strict, super into church. You know, Lane had to follow the rules if she was to live in you know mrs kim's house mm-hmm. but secretly she had um 
she was really into music and she would hide CDs under her floorboards <laughs> and she was secretly in a band, a rock band. And I was just wondering, like, well, I can't ask you what you would think of this character, but <laughs> it is a character similar, you know, that fits your criteria mm-hmm. that you may enjoy. And I also wanted to know if you watched or you do, do you watch Kim's Convenience? Yeah, Gil, I did not, I have not watched Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Uh, you know, maybe I will search for the episodes where Lane Kim comes in to sh- and, and watch from there. Uh, sounds really interesting. And Kim's Convenience, I've heard of it, definitely heard of it, have not watched it. You know, I was thinking about why I don't watch um, shows with Asian characters, because there are definitely more now than there was there there were when I was growing up and I don't know it's like a fear of like that it's going to be bad and then I don't want it to not like it or yeah you can't complain about there being no shows if you refuse to watch I know it's 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 a conundrum because I have watched (laughs) things and then I don't like it. Then I feel bad that I didn't like it. Like, fresh mm. off the boat. Like, I watched a few episodes. I didn't find it that funny. Is that... Do I need to mm. find it funny? I felt I felt bad that I didn't find it funny, you know? Are your, are your expectations high? Or maybe it just really isn't funny. We have to explore. Well, I mean, I don't know. If, do you guys... Have you guys ever watched Fresh Off the Boat? Did I thought you it was it hilarious. Okay. I mean, but, so but I'm, I'm not Asian, so, like, I... Oh. I don't know. Like my my best friend growing up, like he he is Asian, so I was I was in and around his house, and I was like, okay, this <laughs> this is funny, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, especially like in the era he grew up in, like that was like the late nineties, like hip hop and everything. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, it was it's funny, mm-hmm. um, and and again, like kind of going back to the Nigel Ng thing, like is it funny because I'm an outsider and I'm laughing at, or am I laughing with? And I think my proximity to you know, I mean, I was at an Asian house like almost every day of the week, like at certain points in my life. So I, 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 I'm, I'm an outsider, yes, but like I have exposure to a version of, you know, Asian American life, you know, in the sense of my friends. So I'd like to think that I'm not appropriating when I when I think the show is funny. But I mean, anybody could have their own opinion about that. Hmm. Can you appropriate by thinking something's funny? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, yeah, like, I mean. I mean, we talked about that with um with Rush Hour, right? Like, I mean, it made billions or mil- I don't know how many. It was a blockbuster hit because white people thought it was funny. Everyone, Kyle, everyone thought it was. funny. I know, but when 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 everybody when every black person finds a black movie funny, like it doesn't make that money, right? But when white people find it funny, like that's when it really becomes a big movie. That we know that. Okay, but don't discount our thinking that it's funny just because a lot more white people thought it was funny. The numbers are, you know, in their favor for the amount. Okay. I know. I'm just saying, like, so so you're right. You're right about that. And I guess, like, okay, so putting it into perspective of Jackie Chan, right? Like, he didn't get the humor. So, like, we we almost kind of felt awkward about that situation because it's like, was he exploited? Was he, was he, was there, like, cultural appropriation here? Was there you know, was this okay, the way this was done? And maybe he was like, maybe he was cool. He knew what he was doing. He just wanted to get that check and do what he wanted to do with the rest of his career, in which case more power to him. But like, you know, I don't know. But but I guess, I don't know. Like, Lisa, if you if you think, if I mean, I know in, when we're talking about Nigel Ng, like you were questioning 
why people thought it was funny. If people thought it was funny because of the accent, you were offended by that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I feel like me liking Fresh Off the Boat, somebody could be offended by an, an Asian American mm-hmm. person could be offended by that, or maybe they're not. I don't know. It depends on perspective. I'm open to either mm-hmm. perspective. I mean, I think that's part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, and then, you know, I haven't watched enough of it to give a really thorough. Uh, critique of the show and Kim's convenience seems similar in in uh, storyline in terms of you know the immigrant uh, immigrant parents have a convenience store there's conflict between the parents and the kids you know so I guess it's like the same old thing for me okay so this is gonna sound this is gonna sound weird okay so there was this uh, reality show on Netflix it was about super rich Asian families in LA I believe it was called bling empire uh there's one season of it and it's about uh the real lives of crazy rich Asians living in the Los Angeles area and I'm not a Kardashian fan I don't watch that show but this show I liked it it was you know you're kind of like living through the lives of these these uh rich super rich people they weren't uh necessarily kids of immigrant parents you know their parents didn't own convenience stores or uh try to be a real estate agent i think that was the one of the 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 job that the mom in the fresh off the boat had so i don't know maybe i'm just not drawn to the stereotypical cultural um but that's literally what you asked for. I did. I just I? don't know what you want. I Lisa. know. Look, I asked for you Asian American I have, stories. You said I haven't seen my specific me growing up in America to Asian parent. Like, literally, that's what you said. But, but see, maybe, my kid, maybe you, that's not what you want. I mean, my parents didn't own a restaurant. They didn't own a convenience store. Okay. We're a pretty normal family. <laughs> maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to see that. Maybe, maybe that's not what you want. Maybe I don't want to see the version of it that's available to me. I don't. No like, always, always want. be my maybe. Like, you know, Asian people live in their lives. Nothing like it was kind of like not stereotypical. Maybe that's maybe that's what I really want. Like a non-stereotypical. Asian American story. Kyle, what do you think of the show Mixed-ish? Is this something that you've always wanted to see on TV? I haven't seen it. I don't watch TV. I don't know if you heard me say that earlier. But the I Okay, do you know about the premise of Mixed-ish? Yeah, or can you get Yeah, an idea isn't that the one the about like a baby rainbow or whatever? Uh, yes. Yeah, I never saw it. Does that idea appeal to you as perhaps of your lived experience, a child growing up in a uh, household with two parents of different backgrounds. Is that something that appeals to you? Sure. I think it could be funny. Have you seen it? I watched one episode. That's not enough. Well, can you tell me what you saw in that episode? Um, the, there were three children. They went to school. They found out they needed to fit in. So they chose to fit in with the black crowd by dressing up and doing all kinds of things. And that's when I stopped watching. <laughs> Why did you stop watching? I it just I wasn't feeling it. Why not? 
wasn't feeling it. And then the the parents, I didn't really like the parents. They were, I don't know. The chemistry wasn't there for me. Now I gotta watch it because I got. I mean, I I probably like something about it, and and then that's that'll be worth a conversation. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm just yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm I, I'm. I mean, I don't watch. I don't watch Blackish. So wait, maybe wait, wait, the wait. just the style is not my style. The style of a TV show. I'm I'm a. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy that Lisa doesn't like Fresh Off the Boat. Jasmine doesn't like Blackish, and I don't watch Mixish. <laughs> I mean, is Blackish supposed to be for me? I like. I think the sitcom of the 90s and early 2000s it's just it's hard to recreate and that's the kind of sitcom that i like um i haven't seen a sitcom lately that you know is something i would i need to see do you count my wife and kids um, in that one yes All right, i'm just checking i'm just because i kind of yes, crossed over into kids. the 2000s i'm not sure if that counted for you yeah i mean i what's the last sitcom i kind of enjoy I do watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, mostly for one character. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of based off the Office premise. It's like a cast, you know, a cast of characters kind of thing. Everybody's like professional dysfunction. Yes, that is a genre for sure. <laughs> that is a Parks genre. Parks and Rec, love it. <laughs> Parks and Rec, love that one. So it's just like you know, I try to watch um, what came out recently, Keenan. Um, Keenan had a sitcom. It got better over the season. I toughed it out, but um, it's just not the same hmm. for me. Yeah, I mean, I so. I like Blackish. I think it's I think it's funny. I think it's a good show for what it for what it's. I don't know. It's just, it's just cute. You know what I mean? It's just a cute show. It's I guess you could try to. I I don't know if anybody's ever said it's like twenty 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 twenties or 20 whatever whenever it started 2010s Cosby or so or something like that it's because it's not that but I don't know maybe I'm offending people by even comparing the two but I don't know it's it's an enjoyable show I think it's an enjoyable show as is fresh off the boat but again these are shows that I don't religiously watch I probably saw like seasons one and two and like maybe fractions of episodes since so I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. So, yeah, I have, for my sitcom watching, I literally am watching old sitcoms. Like, half and half is what I like right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. But I, I think, I think, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from ignorance because I don't know if Mixed Ish addresses this, but that is, like, even just the episode you described of, like, the kids, like, fe- feeling like they had to fit in and, and deciding to do certain things to, to fit in. I mean, that's, a, that's something that all kids go through, I think regardless of race but then when you're in the when when race is a very visually identifiable characteristic that helps some people find their their niche or their clique being mixed is just an extra wrinkle that can complicate that and and i think a show that speaks to that is it's bound to be funny but it also can speak to some of the some of the challenges that that mixed people face doing that yeah watch the episode and let me know let me know how you feel about it all right, I'll get back to you in about a year when I've watched some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check back in after eight months. On third thought. I watched 10 minutes. I'm making progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
move on to episode four, which was entitled Racism Everywhere. We discussed racism being everywhere and unescapable for black people and others sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, any second thoughts on that episode? Why don't you go first this time? Uh, I had some things that pop up that came to my mind in terms of the episode topic since it aired. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the Olympics was two months ago now. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. Oh, my God, time flies. But all the drama around the black women in Olympics, mm-hmm. um, Shakari Richardson being, you know, disqualified because of marijuana use and the African women, uh, track and field stars who are disqualified because their testosterone was too high, even though they've competed as women, and just a lot of stuff going around. And then the the swimming caps Mm -hmm. being banned that accommodate for black women's natural voluminous hair. Mm -hmm. What's what's going on here? You know, obstacles at every course, at every turn. And then I heard about the race norming in NFL, in the NFL, where I think they, something to do with concussions and them rating black players' cognitive skills lower, so it's harder for them to qualify for, you know, disability due to concussions or something. Crazy. I'm sorry, what? Crazy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Race, look it up. Race norming. Look at you following sports ball. Look at you. <laughs> look, I'm on Twitter, okay? If things <laughs> pop around, it looks interesting. I'll click. So, yeah, look it up. Race norming in the NFL. And then I listened to The Color of Law. Oh, God. It's a book. And I just, it just makes you, that's that's where you lose, you lose a little bit of hope. You're like, mm. this is terrible. Yeah literally terrible it's worse than we thought mm. it's bad yeah. yeah for me after that episode I, I was kind of like y'all didn't even talk about slavery as in I'm talking I was talking about things happening today Jasmine, that pe- you know slavery still happens today there's two million enslaved right now oh okay like 13th Amendment, right? Like that to me like so, so oh yeah so for me like yeah the color of law and the new Jim Crow for me are like F it. Like this country like I mean has has I mean ha- yeah, I mean I read those two books and jazz and I had the same reaction you did to to the color of law like what do we do? Like th- this is so deeply embedded in in how we function like I mean and this is something this is a conversation I have to have with my kid like he loves like he loves the military right now he, he's like it's common for kids to be like oh police and da 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 thinking the police are cool and it's like nah bro mm-mm, it ain't cool you know yeah and it's just like it's just such a deep cultural thing um so the racism everywhere I mean racism's in how we pick schools, how we think of crime, how we think of drugs, like cannabis is like a natural herb and that is legalized, that is criminalized, but alcohol, which literally breaks up families, hurts people all the time every day, that's legal. Mm-hmm. Like cannabis actually helps people suffering from pain. Like alcohol, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't know, like this country's jacked up. 
on multiple fronts and it politicizes things that it wants sorry it criminalizes things it wants to criminalize and it and it and it and it targets that criminalization very deliberately so that was the the one the one big racism everywhere concept that that I that y'all didn't talk about and and, and that's and I remember Jasmine we talked about it a little like a little bit afterwards and you said cuz that topic is like could be its own episode and I completely agree so you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's cool that y'all didn't cover that one in particular but um but racism really is everywhere and it's it's just crazy to to just peel back those layers of the onion right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah what about you lisa any thoughts um I'll, I'll second that the color of law book was i mean i i had not known about the history of um redlining uh before like really really understanding what that like how it started before that book so it's a really eye-opening book and yeah i agree with you like the more you know the more it sucks all right well uh let's uh move on to a maybe a rosier topic traveling and race episode five talked about our experiences traveling any issues we had lisa did you have any Second thoughts about that episode? I was wondering if you wanted to tell us some of these horrid Paris stories you've you've been told. <laughs> I just have heard that people don't get treated well in Paris. All people? Black people. Uh, I'm talking about black people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, it doesn't sound like a place I really have to go Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't need to go (laughs) I can't I mean I don't remember the details but I just remember several people have said they didn't have good experiences Gotcha. my friend even said you know the airport she she hates the airport Wow. she had a bad experience in the Paris airport I was like dang the airport (laughs) you can't even leave the airport dang Hmm. that's too bad Caveat, Air France is a wonderful airline. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the airline in economy class. They served fresh salmon baguettes. Mm. Like not even a little, a whole sandwich. I was impressed. (laughs) (laughs) So airline good. That's that's a a bright side, a bright line uh, there. But yeah. I just heard a lot of uh, mm. a few stories where people didn't enjoy their experience, off-putting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to them. Other thoughts? I had a couple thoughts. I was reading something. I don't know what I was reading. I read a lot of stuff, and they were saying expats, people that call themselves expats. You know, they go maybe they go to Mexico, they go to Costa Rica. You know, they're digital nomads. You know. <laughs> They're really immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's interesting. We, we have a different terminology for people who choose to leave the U.S. Mm-hmm. for a lower cost of living, a higher quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, the expats. Do these um, expats, do they give up their, their U.S. citizenship to live in a no. different country? No, my dad didn't. Mm-mm. No, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because, like, then they're not really immigrants because, like, 
you know, my parents, they, they took up U.S. citizenship when they came here. So in that sense, they're immigrants. But I guess you don't have to have, like, U.S. citizenship to be an immigrant of the U.S. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Kyle, does your dad call himself an expat? He calls Nicaragua home. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think he might consider himself an expat. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if I don't know if he really uses that term, but I think he might just accept that that term is used for him. I, I don't know. Yeah, it might be a, yeah. like a, a softer way of saying yes. Right. Um. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of Caucasian people who are U.S. citizens would call themselves expats in different countries, but non-Caucasian people, I don't know if they use that term as much. They're just living overseas. I don't know if. Or- do you have to change your citizenship if you live there long term to be an immigrant? I mean, I just feel like if okay, let's if you are a a white U.S. citizen who's living in another country, I feel like because you are white, you bring along the privileges of being white, no matter your citizenship. So I wouldn't call them immigrants because they probably maybe could be treated better than even like the own citizens of that country because they are a white American. That's what I'm thinking. So immigrant has something to do with how you're treated in the new country? I mean, they're not treated great here. <laughs> so That doesn't mean, what? I, I didn't know an immigrant had a negative, you must have a negative experience to be an immigrant i mean i guess you could have a positive experience but it doesn't start off that way and i don't think that it is ever like perfect i don't know i just feel like immigrants have it hard in the u.s i don't think it gets like super easy that's by design what do they say the cruelty is the point anyway merriam merriam webster dictionary defines an immigrant as a person who comes to a country to live there. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's how I see immigrants. Maybe if we used immigrants to describe all the different people that move to different places to live, whether they have privilege or not, mm-hmm. it would be normalized, but we call them expats. Starting with white people. Starting with white people, immigrants. So, yeah, that was just a thought I had on that. I will say, in terms of the travel piece, one thing that I find difficult about travel is just realizing where our people really are in in the world. And so I've never, well, I think I said never, I've done a a resort trip once in my life, and I've done a cruise once in my life. And they're they're nice, so I can't say I'd never do them again. But the idea that white institutions own land in black spaces, and the black government, the black the black businesses get scraps from white tourism in black spaces, just really pisses me off. Um, and 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 I, back in college, I read Jamaica Kincaid's uh, "A Small Place," which very viciously critiques 
um, in her case, uh, uh, Antigua, but it's, it's applicable to Jamaica and the other countries who who allow these all-inclusive resort companies to literally buy land from the country. That's something. And, and, and in terms of like the uh, cruise ports, a lot of those that pieces of those pieces of land aren't even technically the country, and that's because that's how they have it like. Mm-hmm sectioned off so there's all these tax write-offs there's all this stuff like our our own people are getting screwed for white people to come visit our land and it, it just like that that whole thing just like really really pisses me off and and i i'd, I'd like to go on nice vacations and like feel feel relaxed and, and be in be in the spaces that are warm with beaches with black people with brown people um but i just i hate the notion that like we're not even getting the benefit of that you know and so I, I struggle with that idea. And I actually saw an article in afar.com about how um, Native Hawaiians really don't like the tourism industry in Hawaii because it's very much the same thing. And, and, it, and, it, and it, I looked it up. Hawaii became a state in 1959, I think it was. Like the, the colonization and dispossession of Hawaiian people is literally like only a few decades ago mm-hmm. and we think of it as like oh the english-speaking caribbean you can just go there and like oh it's like oh whatever like no that's literally colonized land just like the rest of this continent you know what i mean and it's just like and i i have family my dad's family like they all like my dad's brothers and his sister like they all moved out there for the most part and i think and, and when i talk to them like they're black so they're like shit, I don't want to be in the United States of America. Like, I'm black. Like, this, 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 this is a mess over here. So, like, in Hawaii, it's, like, it's less of a mess, and it's slightly better. And they've been out there. Some of them been out there since the early 80s, since before I was born. So, you know, they're, it's, in, a, in a weird United Statesian way, they're kind of expats to a, to a degree. Like, they look at, like, mainlanders, like, oh, you're a mainlander. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's this weird, like, energy. But this article, I don't know. It's just like I want to travel. I want to. I want to see places. But I, I hate the idea that I'm. I'm like, you know, not, extracting value, scenic value, and not even paying homage to and paying respects and financial benefit to my own people where they're at. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's something that weighs on me when I think of travel. It is. A complicated situation. Okay. Should we move on to the reparations episode? Mm-hmm. The reparations episode that could. The rep- <laughs> Did you say the reparations episode <laughs> that could? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any second thoughts on that one? Well, I mean, initially I put in the notes to talk more about the cost of reparations to like each individual taxpayer, but I don't, I don't, I've, you know, I've I've definitely listened to a lot more about this topic um, and, you know, kind of just understanding it's like just, it's bigger than that. I mean, the money is, the money is a good thing to to do, but really um, the reconciliation part, the making, the making the, uh, the concessions for wrongdoing is is what the bigger conversation is about. So, um, yeah, I did reach out to uh, my 
representatives and to ask them to uh, support uh, HR 40 going forward. So, you know, if anyone's looking to do that, um, like ACLU has a form that you can fill out and they'll just email your representatives for you. So it's um, not an, not a hard thing to do uh, to, to, to be able to like let your representative know that you, you want this uh, to be passed. So just giving everybody encouragement to, to do that. Thank you, Lisa. Um, I guess my thoughts, I wrote these notes maybe a month ago, so not exactly sure. <laughs> I remember exactly what I was thinking, but I wrote down that mass incarceration didn't just start after the civil rights movement. Um, pretty much after Reconstruction, they immediately started uh, finding ways to lock up black people and make them slaves again. Like it was pretty, it was, it was pretty quick. But um, I guess the the population, the prison population, exploded more in the seventies and eighties. So um, I don't know why that. I guess because we talked about that was part of the second package. Yeah, because part of it was dealing with abolition. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, that was my second thought, pretty much. Uh, uh, on second thought for that episode, I definitely, I definitely concede the point that figuring it out for mixed people is <laughs> really complicated, and I'm not going to. Like I definitely like, you know, Jasmine, you're like, what about somebody who, you know, is mixed, but their white parent is never part of their life and they struggled and da 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 da. I'm like, all right, yeah. Like I don't know. I I I'm not the one that's gonna figure that out. Um, that's definitely just a complication that. Sorry, I just hit my mic. That's definitely a complication that we're just gonna have to have a lot of smart people in the room and try to figure that out. Um, but one thing I did neglect to 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 mention and i'm significantly disappointed in myself for not mentioning this um is that when when i spoke about prison the prison population i failed to mention political prisoners that's a huge piece of the abolition movement in the united states and the reparations movement and and uh, i don't think people always when 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 i when i say political prisoner what does everybody think about who does everybody think about on the international stage. Leah Abu Jamal. Okay, appreciate you, Jasmine. Thank you. <laughs> but like <laughs> most people think about Nelson Mandela, right? Mm-hmm. Oh snap. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not, I mean, no, I don't actually. That's good. Well, that's fine. I mean, th- see, that actually makes sense because you're not you're, you're United Statesian. You should think of our United Statesian, you know, political prisoners. But most people think of Nelson Mandela as like the, oh, my gosh, he was in prison for 27 years. There's political prisoners who've been in the United States incarcerated for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And we don't even we don't like most Americans are not even aware of this. Like there are there are folks that were affiliated with the Black Panthers, the Black Liberation Army and others that have been incarcerated since the 70s. It's mm-hmm. been 50 years. So that's something that we really need to bring to the forefront um, there's organizations like the Jericho Project that are working to just provide day-to-day support for our political prisoners and to provide legal support, um, but also just really just to amp up the fight to bring them all home, basically. Then the, the, the tricky thing about political prisoners in the United States is that th- 
every so the according to the united states there's no we don't have any political prisoners because nobody is in jail or in prison because of their political beliefs or affiliations or words or anything every single political prisoner has a quote-unquote criminal charge that they're being held for and in the case of mumia abu jamal you know it's every nobody actually thinks he had anything to do with with the the um the killing of the police officer in that in that situation um but because of his writings because of his affiliation with the black panther party self-defense he's been incarcerated since i oh, forget what year he's been in there since but like um i think he was in there since like the late 70s i want to say but um yeah so like that's another part of our history that we just don't even have an awareness of and um and and so i neglectfully did not mention our political prisoners in that episode and i just wanted to belatedly amend that egregious error noted okay Moving on to episode seven, oh, it was our sorry. Oh, one one of the thing that 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 I wanted to say about reparations is that I have met people who have pursued reparations personally, and they actually have white people paying them money for reparations, like just as a on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's dope. I think real reparations needs to be. I, I shouldn't say real reparations, for reparations to truly heal this country as a process. It, it needs to be at a federal level and it and it needs to sorry it needs to be executed at a federal level but i think it needs to grow in a grassroots way the way we described in the episode but i do think it's super cool that folks can pursue reparations for themselves for their own survival here and now and to find white people who are willing to do that is great and i applaud that and maybe the way to snowball that effect I don't know if I even agree with this, but I'm going to say it anyway as an idea, is what if we give white people a tax write-off to, to, to pay direct reparations to black people to encourage them to do that? And I, I don't think you should get a tax write-off, but like maybe that gets the... I mean, what does that mean? What do you mean? What, what, do, you, what do you mean someone has gone to, like, was the white person directly involved or like a direct descendant? No. Or is just no. random white people? Ran, like I don't know, it's not necessarily random white people, but, but but I know I know black people who have white people paying them money monthly or quarterly or whatever they've arranged because of re- for reparations, because of the legacy of slavery and because of the wealth disparity between the two of them. I see. That's interesting. concept was that it yep I promise okay (laughs) (laughs) interesting I think I think we talked about it or there was an episode on was it code switch some podcast where they uh, a group of black people started doing that in Vermont I think they were just like Hey, black people, if you want white people to re- pay you reparations, sign up here. And then they're like, hey, white people, you should pay us money and just pick somebody and cash up us. Yeah, that's the thing. Definitely a thing. So, yeah, whole episode on that. All right. Episode seven, where we talked about our uh, never ending bucket list mm-hmm. of things we want to do, big and small. 
Lisa, Kyle, did you have any second thoughts about that episode? No, I stand by all of my goals. <laughs> oh, Lord. Have you made progress on your blow-up lawn situation? <laughs> uh, I have not, but uh, this... The this, season is, I, this, is it, nigh. It is upon us soon, so I may have one this year. Okay, starting with one. Yeah. yeah. That's good, 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 good. We put up a fence around our house, and my kids like mm. said, "Oh, you should put lights around there." I was like, "Oh my gosh, what?" <laughs> it begins. It's a good yes. idea. <laughs> Very nice. Kyle, any thoughts? Anything on your bucket list? I don't have a bucket list. No bucket list. No, I don't have one. Oh. Although my aunt. <laughs> If you follow me on Instagram, I, I posted a picture of me playing at the Tennis Hall of Fame with my aunt. Um, oh, I saw that. Yep. Near, near the house. Yeah, near the house where my, my granddad, sorry, the house that my granddad owned that my dad was raised in. Um, and she remembers me saying that playing at the Tennis Hall of Fame was on my bucket list. And I was like, that's funny because oh. I thought I didn't have a bucket list. <laughs> but she remembered me saying something was on my bucket list and now it's checked off. So if that bucket list was a list nice. of one, it's also back to zero. And so <laughs> wow, you completed your bucket so, list. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, I mean, do I have a list of places I like to travel and stuff? Sure. But like, it's not like a formal 100 list 100 item bucket list like yoga it doesn't have to be 100 items like literally Says travel is like it's a, that's supposed to be the original bucket list is travel destinations I mean, yeah that's, i have some travel destinations i'd like to go to thank you jasmine belize being one of them but um mm -hmm. yeah uh yeah and no, i don't know i there's things i want to do in my life but i i don't be writing that down i'm sorry <laughs> okay but you, Jasmine, did you cross anything off lately or add anything? Uh, I think screen printing a T-shirt was on there, oh. and I have yet to do that because I failed spectacularly <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> so hopefully, with Lisa's help, I'll be able to cross that off this week. talked about leadership and we had a special guest Joni join us to talk about her experience growing up and how her and Lisa have a similar you know origin story and her experience as a leader in today so any what are your thoughts on that yeah I think this to topic of I think she has an she started with a group with a group of other people initiative to form a diversity inclusion belonging council uh, and it's a very challenging thing to do to make a space where everyone would feel like they are included and they feel like they belong and i think kyle offline maybe said something about our workspaces uh, if they are predominantly male cisgender white um, that prevents a lot of people from bringing their whole selves to work. And I guess I, I still don't really buy that uh, phrase, you know, wanting to, for everyone to bring themselves to work. Uh, 
I still stand by the we should allow ourselves to bring the the self that we want to to work. And I think Kyle pushed back on it because the reason we can't bring ourselves to work is because of the environment. But if the environment was more accepting, more diverse, then we could bring our whole selves to work. So I'm still kind of struggling with whether or not I think people should be able to bring themselves to work or not. Yeah. I have to see in your notes, Jaslyn, you kind of wrote down some things along those lines. What were you thinking? Yeah, there was an article about how black women in particular don't really want to go back to the office because of the discrimination and microaggressions that they experienced at the office. And that, you know, touches on us not wanting to bring our whole self to work because of the things we have to deal with in white male dominated spaces so I am I am uh, on the side of that article I like working from home I think it has many advantages for me um, in this regard <laughs> um, so yeah that's where I am Yeah, maybe the answer to the question is don't bring yourself to work at all. <laughs> Allow yourself to work in your own home. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there you know, there's privilege in that. Sure. Not everybody can do yeah, that. Yeah, true. True. Yeah, I think I think there's got to be a happy medium between a non uh what's the word? A non like I was gonna say non-exclusionary, meaning inclusive, um, <laughs> an inclusive professionalism, professional way to bring yourself to work. Like I, I, you know, I think Jenny mentioned like she doesn't bring her most sarcastic self to work or whatever. There's some you know or snarky. <laughs> I think it was the, the term she used. Oh yeah, snarky. You know, yeah, and, and that's cool. Like you don't have to be your truest self as 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 you are with when you're with your family, your loved ones, and stuff like that, or friends and whatnot. I think that's that's definitely okay. Um, but the idea that people feel like they can't be the fact that there's an, uh, an, an imbalance with the amount of self people can bring is the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the thing. Like white cisgender white men have no problem coming into the office. Oh, talk about the big game for 30 minutes outside the water cooler. You know, that's normal. But if a group of black women were to sit around the water cooler and talk about something else, um, a show or you know, like hair products or something like that. Like that should be just as okay as, as the sports talk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, I, but you know, that would look upon, dif- that would be looked upon differently. And that, that's, that's the problem. I think. I just think with a situation like that, say you have a group of white guys talking about sports for half an hour. Um, me with a group of black women probably could do that. However, there is not a group of black women for me to do it with. Uh, yeah. And you know, in order and in, in order for me to feel, you know, included, you, they they would have to change the subject. So, you know, they they discuss sports for half an hour and I'm in my office. So, I'm not bonding with my coworkers. I'm not, you know, building rapport because they're talking about sports and who cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's it, I mean, what's what's the what's the solution? Is it to 
get into sports no. and learn about whatever <laughs> no, and that's not the solution. you know get up in there and be like yeah that game was really a kicker i don't know um <laughs> or just find your crew or find your squad or find the people that have the similar interests and just make your own your own environment mm-hmm. and that's what i choose to do mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i don't i don't think it's that every person needs to be involved and included in every topic of discussion i just mean i for me i think it's that like the the acceptable bs at work needs to be inclusive of multiple different kinds of bs <laughs> you know what i mean like like but do you see what i'm saying I do, like i do i do see what you're saying as a as maybe if i'm the only woman in a group and all the guys like baseball and i don't like baseball i'm not going to be as close i might not be as close to my coworkers as everybody else yeah and that's the problem that's that's the problem of like just um uh, rep- not even representation, but just literal diversity. Like there should act, there should just be more women, more black women, more you know, more diversity, so that there isn't an overbearing culture in any one work environment. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Does that does that make does that kind of hit what you were saying, Jaslyn, or no? I don't know. It's just hard. It's it's hard to be sure they want to make a inclusion inclusive environment, but. Maybe it's just, it's not, it doesn't work all the time. And you just have to find people you can click with. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. It's, it's tricky. It's definitely tough. I mean, especially in smaller organizations. But I love, I love, I, I think I shared this the article with you, Jazz, and I think you had already seen it before I sent it to you. But just the idea that like, while people, ha- for those of us that have the privilege of working from home, you know, groups of black women are sitting together, working remotely together. So that it's like they're they are they're they are coworkers and get to like have the offline between Zoom meeting banter between themselves about whatever weird microaggressions happen or whatever any anything happened, whatever the sh- whatever they're watching on TV or whatever's on Instagram just now, or whatever. Like they can have that space, that community in a professional context because of the ability to work from home and that, that to me that's just an amazingly beautiful thing and and I, I just love the idea I love the fact that women are doing that and that that article I think it was a Washington Post article so that was women like in this area in the DC area that, that were doing that and I, I love that that's that's just a beautiful thing mm-hmm. now you tell me this I have an example tell me if I am wrong What's the, what's the acronym? I'm not even going to say it because I don't cuss. But um, So hypothetically speaking, this may or may not have actually happened. Uh, say your group decides they want to have fun at the group meeting and they're going to have a Zoom background contest at every meeting. And so different topics every week. You bring your best background and, you know, everybody votes. And... Um, the winner gets to pick the next thing. So it's fun, right? I love Zoom backgrounds. I, I rarely go to a meeting without a background. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see my background unless my camera's broken or something. <laughs> Lisa knows this. Um, so one, one of the topics was this guy won one week, and he said the next week, bring your favorite scene from Friends. <laughs> 
the show Friends. And I, I kind of got up in it. Like, what if I didn't watch Friends? Yeah. Bring your favorite picture of your friends. <laughs> I should have done that. Like, I should have done that. Man, I should do, I should do Living Single and be like, single, you right. know, they stole Friends from Living Single. And that's why they canceled Living Single because Friends came out. I should have done that. But no, I was like, I, you know, I felt a certain type of way. Mm. So when it came around, I didn't pick a background. My, my, my thing was going to be, you know, I didn't. I was going to say I didn't really watch Friends, like, you know, so I don't really have a favorite team. But the um, uh, my Asian coworker, at least you know who that is, that is, he beat me to the punch. So when it was his turn to reveal his background, he had a white background. And he was like, I ain't never watched Friends. <laughs> I don't have a C for you. This is my background. <laughs> and people were like, oh, I like that. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> he beat me to the punch. <laughs> And when it was my turn, I was like, "Yeah, I guess I'm like I'm like him." I, I, so he he stole my uh, he stole my uh, my idea. But I was like, "What? You know, why not just say pick a favorite scene from your favorite TV mm-hmm. sitcom or something?" Yeah. So I may have gotten you know out of sorts for nothing, but it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I don't think you. I don't think that I don't think you overreacted there. I think that because we work in the U.S., uh, some of our coworkers may be very, you know, American culture centric, and we forget that. Yeah, people don't watch the same shows. Uh, people who are guest researchers from different countries may not watch those shows either, uh, and I think people are really insensitive to that. I think we need to. I mean, I know myself personally, I've also had to step back and reevaluate my uh, my gut reaction to like do a certain thing because I forget like not everyone grew up in the U.S. doesn't have the same background that I do. So may not be up to speed on, like you said, Friends TV show. So I think you had a correct and I'm sorry you didn't get to. Go show your non-background Stole first. my thunder. <laughs> Stole my thunder. I mean, but the fact that you were you are willing to kind of take a stand says a lot about you know your comfort. I guess maybe you know a couple years ago you just would have just uh, did something different instead of like kind of taking a stand and saying I didn't watch that show. Maybe. I'll let you know on a secret. I wasn't going to say this on the podcast, but I did watch Friends. <laughs> I did watch Friends at some point in my life. But just the fact that they assume that everybody will have watched this show and have a favorite scene of all things. So you're just picking fights, man. Yeah, I'm just picking fights. But still, just like, like no. She, no. She is taking a stand, and I think that it is one that should be taken. Because it is very presumptuous. It's presumptuous. Yes, I agree. Finally, we come to the last episode before this one. An impromptu episode where we discuss our music tastes, uh, our history of music, why Lisa hates music. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of things. So, any second thoughts? Have you had time to think about it, Lisa? Yes, I have. I've, I've seen the light that I'm allowed mm. to like very specific music. Uh, 
90s and early 2000s, um, anything instrumental. And I do want to apologize because I did ask a very hurtful question. Why would people want to pay for live music? It seems ridiculous. But I realized, I was like, wait a second, I have paid for live music. <laughs> did you get canceled yeah, for saying that? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. Can- like, why wouldn't you? What else are you paying for? Yeah, so I, I paid for live music, um, mostly instrumental lists like, uh, let's see, Yo-Yo Ma, Vanessa May, and I recently saw Lindsey Sterling at Wolf Trap. So. Lindsey Sterling, okay. Wait, so you've been to several concerts? Like, not zero, like I you know. said? I know. I, I must have just like... You just conveniently I forgot? I did, because I like to pick a fight. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is sad, Lisa. <laughs> Just so, sad. Why that fight of that all fights, Lisa? I don't know right. because everyone likes music and I just don't understand why I don't like it as much as other people. So I'd rather just say I don't like it instead of having to mm. explain myself. Mm, you just want to be contrary. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't, I'm not contrary on many things, but on the music thing, I mean... I guess I sleep. Sometimes it's fun to be contrary. It's fun. It? I mean, yeah. I like to do it too. Look, I stand around, people talking about music, and I have no idea what they're talking about. So I just rather just be like, well, I don't like music, so I don't have to talk to you about. Yeah, that's the same with me and friends. There you go. Like, there you, you really go. do like music, but you're just going to say you don't just to be, you know, be different. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to be unique. Unique. That is very unique. <laughs> I don't think anybody would say out of their mouth they don't like music. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, my thoughts about it, I'd said, I don't really listen to new stuff. And I think it's because when streaming came around, you know, I stopped listening to radio as much, you know, don't watch MTV, BT. I just listened to my CDs. And then when the streaming, you know, the phone became a thing, I just listened to that. Yeah, I don't really have any new artists post Gregory Porter. The one I can think of is Nate Smith. Fantastic jazz drummer. Fantastic. And he's from my hometown, so that's a bonus. Um, like, I've... <laughs> I told this is a couple of people like my least favorite one of my least favorite moments in a jazz concert is like the bass and the drum solo <laughs> <laughs> just because i'm like uh <laughs> they just go into their own space but How him his his drumming How like he did an album of just drum like just drumming it's amazing so check out nate smith other than that yeah i don't really no one's really captured my attention Kyle any second thoughts I don't know I don't know I don't think so that was that was a blast it was a lot of fun to do that episode I thought it was great yes one of our funnest episodes for sure yeah and and I'm glad Lisa you are not a musical outcast as you as you (laughs) You know, accused yourself of being, <laughs> but uh, I do think the cult- cultural element is interesting. You know, I know Jaslyn, like, kind of towards the latter half of the episode, she made the point that like there weren't as many 
Asian American stars or music people on TV or the radio. So maybe there's a cultural, a little bit of a cultural representation issue, which may have exacerbated what was already an uphill climb for you to (laughs) (laughs) really get into music. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think that's a fact that could potentially be a factor. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just think that's interesting, though, that streaming for me, streaming has opened me up to so much new music. I, I streaming I, to me, it blows the cover off of what's possible rather than like I used to hate the radio because it played the same five songs all the gosh darn time. And you didn't get a lot of diversity unless you happen to be somewhere, maybe Club Express and you heard something fresh. <laughs> but like, but, <laughs> But like, okay, I guess I won't say I I don't listen to new stuff. Maybe I do, but I just don't. I don't have artists that I follow. Like back in the day, you know, Music Soul Child, Eric Badu. I would get you know all their albums. Um, I mean, music is just different now. No, why is it different? Because you like you don't have to get anybody's album anymore. You can you can you can listen to somebody's album, pick three songs that you like, and put it on a playlist, or listen to those three songs whenever you feel like it. You don't have to like. Well, that doesn't help me build that that rapport. I, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's just it just feels different, I guess. From that. like you don't feel like you have that intimate connection with an artist per se as when you had like three or four or seven albums of theirs in a row, like in in your shelf at your house. You know what I'm saying? Like actually physically having CDs was like it felt like you had them in your in your life in a, in a more of a physical sense, whereas like with streaming services it's just like you can dabble into what you want and you, you don't have to intimately it doesn't f- f- I don't does that make sense it doesn't feel like as, a, as much of an intimate connection maybe maybe unless you follow him on Instagram yeah and that sucks like who wants to just listen to random songs though I mean sometimes I do but maybe, maybe. You know, just like with sitcoms I go back to my old <laughs> old, old faithfuls y'all just old <laughs> <laughs> Hey, stuck look, in our ways. God, look, God is good. <laughs> God is good. That is true. But y'all still old. God is good. Look. We're grateful. We're grateful that we grew up in an era where if you heard a song on the radio, you had to go online to look up online. if they posted a playlist just to see if you could find the name of the song. Do you online. That? Did you? Yeah, well, I didn't have online. This is pretty. No, well, I remember like when I first heard Gregory Porter on the radio, and I was like, "Oh my God, who is this?" Somebody's like, like if I missed the announcer saying what song that was, you didn't have Shazam, you know, you had to maybe go online and search the radio station and then hope they posted their playlist. You'd be like, "When did I listen to that?" It was like three thirty, and then you look around there like, "Oh, that Just must wait be another it. hour. They'll play it again." No, no, Lisa. <laughs> I don't listen to pop stations, okay? What were you Jazz listening to? Stations. What radio station does not replay the same stuff every hour? Jazz stations. You know how much jazz music oh, is out there? Okay. All right. I didn't have the internet. I didn't have the internet until I was in high school, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gregory Porter came out in like 2012, 2013. So this I stopped music. I stopped listening to music. Pre Shazam is basically what I'm trying to say here. I think Jasmine likes the Hunt. 
and also the personal connection. That's fair. Right? I don't know if I like to hunt. I'm not hunting. But you're hunting for his name. You know, you're like, oh, yes, I found it. Now I can be obsessed. No, I'm saying that was the last person that I did that to. <laughs> that was eight years ago. <laughs> I don't do that you anymore. You don't do that because yeah, there's just too many. I feel like there's so much music that's probably Or maybe there's just nobody special. No one's special enough for you. Mm-mm. Okay, any other topics? I did want to touch on something that <clears throat> I noticed a couple times throughout the episodes, the use of generalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, I think you were talking about when Freddie Gray died, you said nobody cared. And I think you meant white people. I did, yes. And then Lisa, you were talking about, uh, we were talking about wearing our hair. I was talking about, you know, wearing my hair a certain way. And you're like, yeah, I don't think about how I wear my hair because my hair is like everybody else's. And I think you meant white people. So let's just be mindful of the use of generalizations. Nobody, everybody. Who are you, you know, who are you talking about in, in particular? So. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the reminder. You definitely remember the details. I do. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That's definitely a good point. I definitely I definitely try to not do that. But for the sake of making a point, I will say it like that. And and but it, it, and that's not the point. That's not a bad way to make a point because people literally did care. I mean, I cared, so No, no, I know. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I should have been more clear when I said it, because I, I did just mean white people, because we didn't see white people out in the streets when Freddie Gray was killed, you know, the way we saw after last summer. Um, and that that is that is what I meant. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I should be careful when I say that for sure. Any other thoughts, topics of discussion? I mean, I, want to, I just want to say for, you know, our three seasons, we've touched on a lot of stuff you know and it was really great to dive into a lot of these topics definitely more deeply than I've ever um, done myself uh, and I'm sure there would be much more to talk about um, if we had more seasons but it's been a real honor to you know have these discussions with both you and Kyle and I think I'm definitely a better person having had the conversations yeah, I really, I I appreciate this entire experience as well. I appreciate the courage that each of you brought to this experience. I mean, for Lisa to, you know, to have been hit by just mercy and to be open to expressing the raw reactions to that and it, and it just kind of diving right into learning and and reading and and discussing in this context is, is, is great. That, that took courage for you and for Jasmine. It takes courage to talk about these things with, with, you know, people that don't, that you don't necessarily, that don't necessarily come from the same background and have the same base understanding. Um, and then to just put it on a podcast and, and have, you know, potentially, you know, thousands of strangers hearing it, that takes courage too. And so I really appreciate both of you for jumping into this space and, or creating this space and, and learning with each other and judging from the feedback we got from, from 
many of our listeners, I mean, they really like w- folks really did really do appreciate what y'all did here. And I, I'm very thankful to have been a small part of it. And I'm really a fan of what you all do. And I'm a fan of each of you as people, too. I really do. Like, I don't know if people really get a sense of like how much fun it's been to, to work with you all. We've had so many off offline conversations and we've only really met in person once together, the three of us. So mm-hmm. despite distancing and quarantining and whatever, I definitely have a, a, a genuinely strong, you know, strong feelings and, and, and a lot of care for each of you as people. And and I just I'm just thankful to be a part of this experience. And, and um, yeah, I definitely want to stay in touch and want to like keep building and talking about these things. And maybe we'll do another podcast another day about about this or about something else. Who knows? show everyone uh i guess that's our show our episode and our show unless uh, we reach a thousand dollars by the time this airs uh, but thanks everyone again for all the support uh definitely had friends family coworkers reach out and said they listened and that really means a lot and it really means a lot to me when people say uh, the episodes changed their mind on things or made them think about things a different way. And I hope that that is a impetus for change for a lot of us and is creates momentum for change here in the U.S. Uh, so that's my Better World Nugget is to be open to change, be open to learning. I say that for myself um, as well as anyone else who's listening. Uh, Jaslyn, do you have a Better World Nugget? Watch more TV. <laughs> Kyle. What? <laughs> and, and I will listen to your playlist, too. I said that last time. I didn't start that yet. I need to do that. Okay. Yes, I need to post. Maybe I'll post a playlist. Listeners, let us know what playlist you want me to post. Yeah. Kyle, a better world nugget. A better world nugget. For me, and I guess a takeaway from this experience is just to, from a from a personal growth standpoint, is just never stop learning. On this show, it was definitely about learning. Everybody here was open to learning. Our guests were open to learning and sharing, and just being being part of a collective exchange. And I think that's that's what this country needs. I think we really need to put egos aside, put our staunch, you know certain staunch political opinions aside and just hear, hear each other out a little bit. And, um, and so I, I, that's one, that's one lesson. That's one better, better world nugget. Um, but also just about goals. Like y'all, like y'all had bucket list goals and all that, but, but podcasting was a goal for all of us. And, and we did it, you know, we did, we did three seasons. We did what, 30, 30 episodes at least of, mm-hmm. of podcasting. That's, that says something. And I, I, I want to applaud you all for, for accomplishing that goal. Um, and then going forward, I would just say the next challenge is to take what we've learned and take what we've done and continue to be active and to continue to move in a positive, progressive direction with, with this knowledge. Uh, find an organization that you can get involved with, you know, activate a special 
organiz- a special part of your church community or religious community or whatever, something, do something that's still in the spirit of racisms that, you know, can help continue these conversations and move the needle, you know, as we, as we, as we move forward. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Racism Podcast and for listening to all of our episodes. Before you go, be sure to like or subscribe wherever you're listening to stay up to date on our next ventures. Let us know how you enjoyed our run of the Racism Podcast and if you'd like to see anything else new from us in the future. You can find us mostly on Instagram and Twitter at Racism's Podcast and on our blog, racismspodcast.wordpress.com. I will leave you with my final thoughts to always seek understanding and to be kind to each other. Peace, everyone. Be safe. Music for this episode was created by Jasmine Dudes and Kyle Carson. This episode was produced and edited by Kyle Carson.